Oh, she's done it. Brilliantly executed. Incredible stuff. The whole family are watching on in anticipation. And yes, there's the final nail in the chicken coop. Dad's been promising to build for a decade. And don't the kids just love it? Coming in for the final turn. He's gone to the left, a little bit to the right. Dodged the hills hoist. Grass clippings flying in his wake. Precision mowing doesn't get any better than that. They've really set their sights high for this one. A pizza oven, water feature and a new deck all by the end of lockdown. But is it too much too soon? Only time will tell. He's a do-it-yourself legend in the making. Welcome to the sport of gardening for Cyclone Tools built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. Here's your host, Dale Vine and Jane Neal. It is wonderful to be back with you on the sport of gardening, whether you're listening to us via podcast or on a Sunday morning right around Australia on SEN and SEN Track. Welcome back to the show. And it is fantastic. Dale Vine, as I say, hello to you. Hello, Jane. To Jeez, welcome... That intro gets me fired up every oh. time. I love it. It's like a combination <laughs> of sport and gardening. It really is uh, very Funny cool. you should say that yeah. for a show called The Sport of yeah, Gardening. That's true. I guess that's a fair call. <laughs> we are really thrilled, though, to welcome Red Energy to the show alongside of Cyclone Tools and Trojan Tools because, hey, we're here because you guys are listening and because our fantastic sponsors are supporting the show. Now, of course, we did start this program when there was literally no sport on the TV or on the radio and people were heading to their gardens, Dale, getting stuck into the DIY, doing a little bit of landscaping, a bit of gardening while everyone was in lockdown under COVID-19 restrictions. You just get the feeling, though, that things are starting to ease. Yeah, that's true, Jane. I reckon uh, people are starting to put their footy boots on to go out in the garden now and maybe uh, <laughs> just doing a bit of weeding with the boots on, getting getting a little bit more ready for the, the season. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely that feel in the air now that sport's very close. Exactly. Cannot wait. I mean, there's been racing happening, which has been amazing. I know the Canadian races are happening around, you know, the, the world. Canadian People races, are watching yeah. the sport they've never watched before <laughs> online just because they're so hungry for it. NRL back very shortly. And of course, AFL not too far away from that. Up on the show today, we are going to check in with a mate of yours who's actually uh, making some composting systems that are pretty unusual and I think are very revolutionary. Yeah, look, it's always good anything to do with compost is good but um, yeah I'll come across these guys and um, Peter is the guy in charge there and, and it's a really cool little new product and uh, it's got a few features that most composting things and bins don't have so yeah can't wait to talk to him about that. And I'll probably have to just follow up my composting issues after admitting there is a rat yeah, in my compost bin yep. so Peter from Subpod hope he can help me out with that. And we're also going to do another tool review with you Dale. We've yep. been uh, sending you home with stacks of tools and I think we've got a few little tips and hints and maybe even a listener question today as well on the sport of gardening. Thanks to Red Energy. They're owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. And now it is our pleasure to welcome to the show a man who has been working very hard while still semi-isolating during COVID-19. His name is Tim Watson, a star of the Essendon Football Club and someone I'm sure you watched for many years as a kid, Dale. Oh, definitely, Jane. Uh, (laughs) Absolute star and then watched his son as well all the way through. So, no, I'm a big Watson uh, family fan, I could say. Well, let's welcome Tim with just a few of the highlights from his playing career. Very important possession. Watson's got it. Watson goes for goal. Look at this. Back with the last day. Essendon are home in the preliminary final. 
Down it comes here again. We've got Timmy Watson. A snap for goal. Is it coming around enough? It is. What a beautiful goal by Timmy Watson. Watson shows pace. Great play by Tim Watson. That's the sort of thing he can do. And he shoots it towards goal. Bounce awkward for Bailey. It's okay for Watson. The kick by Watson's a goal from the back. Skipping over. Well, as Watson, Watson racing into goal, shoots, and has put it through. Oh, he puts it through in style. Yes, just a few of the memories of the wonderful Tim Watson. He is, of course, a multi-premiership winning champion of the Essendon Football Club, wearing the number 32 from the late 70s to the mid-90s. He's now a media star. I think that will pretty much just cover it on multiple platforms. He joins us now somewhere in between Melbourne, I would assume, and his farm down in Gippsland. Hello, Tim Watson. Welcome to the Sport of Gardening. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Good on you, Tim. No, I really... Uh, I'm very excited to have Tim on the show, being a big Bombers fan. I had a poster of Tim up on my bedroom wall when I was a kid. Uh, I think it was um, might have been after you retired, mate, and it was just your amount of games and amount of goals I think you'd kicked on the poster. So it was a pretty good one. <laughs> I can I can hardly I can hardly even remember my career so long ago. Now. <laughs> How do you feel hearing those highlights, though, Tim? I mean, look, footy is just just a, a week or two or three. Look, we hope it's nearly back. How do you feel, though, when yep. you, you hear those games and, and you just have that empty ache that there hasn't been enough footy this year? It's funny um, that your mind goes back. You know, like you forget sort of most of what happens in your career because it is so long ago now, but your mind sort of drifts back when you hear that commentary and the excitement of playing again. There's nothing like playing football. It's great to watch it. It's great to call the football. It's great to talk about the football, but there is nothing nothing like actually being out there playing at that level. It was just an unbelievable experience. Yeah, mate, I um, I played in the Magoos in, in the GFL and uh, just hearing the crowd, <laughs> just hearing the crowd when I kick one of me probably four goals for my career, um, get around it was uh, enough to get me going and that was just in um, local footy. So I can imagine, uh, you know, what it would have been like on the big stage. That would have been a, a ripping feeling. And, yeah, just listening to all that audio from uh, olden days would have been, um, you know, re-spark that instantly, you'd think. Yeah, it does. It takes you back, and yeah, you know, like we had um, we, we had such a fortunate period of time at Essen, you know, over that period of time in terms of being able to play in successful teams and that type of thing, which is just like it's just the icing on the cake, and you don't realise how lucky you are until you retire and you talk to other people who didn't have the same experience, and you just realise you know, just being in the right place at the right time meant that you're able to experience the ultimate in the game. And having the game back soon, I think, you know, we just notice how much people have missed the conversations around football. It's not even the game. It's just sort of like how it encapsulates people's lives and it gives people real meaning from day to day and week to week and that type of thing. And that's been a real hole in people's lives. So it's going to be great to have it back, even though it's going to be different. People aren't going to be able to go to the football, but it's going to spark and start up that conversation again. Now, the reason, Tim, we started this show was to do with a lot of people's sudden passion, probably not sudden for most of us, but a lot of people suddenly in isolation, suddenly staying at home, realising they love their garden, they love their home, they want to get stuck in and improve things. For you, though, it's been a little different because you do have a little bit of an acreage. Tell me about your property. What made you want to sort of, you know, hunker down there? And what are you growing? What are you farming? Well, we went down... um to this part of the world a long time ago, my wife's family had a place down there on Lake Glen Maggie, 
and uh, we had a place on one side of the river and then we sold that and we're now on the river itself, the McAllister, which flows into the Glen Maggie Weir. And uh, we've got 20 acres and about six years ago we put in half an acre of vine. It's a Fiano, which is a white Italian grape. So we make our own wine. We had no, we had no idea what we're doing. We made some terrible mistakes when we first started, but it's been a, an ongoing learning process, and we've become really interested in the land. And uh, we're organic. We're totally organic. We have to use a little bit of um, sulfur and a little bit of copper for downy and uh, mildew and things like that through the through the growing season. But that's the only thing we're doing. In fact, last week we we're down there, and we we hand weed the whole property around the vines. I'm talking about. And then and dig it over by hand as well because I'm just I'm loath to use any form of pesticide and, and that type of thing. So it's a labour of love though, and you know I think anybody that gets involved in their garden, the more you do, the more you get involved, the more you enjoy it. And even the hard work can be something that you really enjoy. I mean I know that sounds silly, but there's nothing sort of like going out there and spending a whole day working really hard, then going inside and lighting the fire and then spending the night with your feet up on the couch. Yeah, I reckon, mate. Hey, how long have the vines been in? Have you have you had a uh, production out of them yet where you've you've made some wine or does it take a few years before you get to that stage? No, you normally can get fruit, good enough fruit to make a wine after three years. So we had our first vintage, we made 130, we got 130 bottles. So I dropped a lot of fruit the first year. And then the second year uh, we had... The wallabies went through and they cleaned up all our all our first shoots. Yeah, so we got second shoots, but you don't you don't get much fruit the second time round. So we made thirty bottles for the second oh, year, no. uh, <laughs> and the third year we have just we had a whole barrel full, which is about three hundred bottles. So a oh, ripper, and, and that stayed that stayed in the oak. Uh, um, for 12 months, and that has just been bottled. So, and that's tasting. That's tasting really nicely. So, Jeez, um, Jane, you can imagine yeah, no, the uh, the price went up on those on that uh, Wallaby vintage, <laughs> didn't it, Tim? <laughs> well, the Wallaby vintage wasn't as great. It wasn't that nice. It was okay, but it was because there was such small quantity. It was hard for uh, the winemaker to actually make the wine yeah and fair enough it's much easier for the winemaker to make the wine when there's a a, a larger amount so the, the the third vintage which is about 300 bottles is is a really nice fiano the fiano is a really nice tasting i don't know are either of you familiar with the fiano grape and the fiano wine no i'm not mate i'm not massive on white wines i'm more a red man but i i um went to a winery otto Dalzotto. have you heard of him and he does a wine that not many people in australia do anyway i had a glass of that and it was knocked me socks off. It was really powerful, but really nice. I think a lot more Australians would drink it, actually. It's sort of between a Riesling and a Chardonnay, it's, oh, it, yeah. and it's quite a... Um, it's a nice, dry, white wine. It's grown in the south of Italy and um, in a place called Campania, and it really suits the Australian climate. It, it really it thrives under really tough, dry conditions, which is why we put it in in the first place, because it's fairly marginal where we are in terms of the rainfall. And Tim, where did you get the cuttings for them? Where did you get your rootstock? Like, is that something you had to then import from Campana or were there Australian <laughs> growers that were willing to share? Chalmers Nursery up in New South Wales, they were the original importers of the stock. And we bought some bare root. We, we tried rootlings first, which were 
um, greenhouse grown, and then they didn't actually go so well. I didn't water them as much as I should have in the first season. Um, so we lost half of those. In fact, we lost three quarters of those. So the next time I purchased, I bought um, rootlings, um, sorry, bare-rooted stock, which meant that, um, and they had they had a greater chance to get going, and and they've never looked back. So, but they. Um, up in New South Wales is is sort of the place that most people buy their their um, their Fiano stock. How much are you uh, thinking that each bottle's worth at this point, Tim? Because you've mentioned you've had some losses. <laughs> most of us gardeners end up with some disasters along the way, but you're talking fairly big bucks when you're talking about that many vines. You know what? You're not. You can't even think about that because <laughs> you wouldn't be able to sell a bottle. <laughs> No, no, you couldn't. You couldn't possibly like the time and effort that goes. In, but it's a labour of love, so it's not. It's a passion now, and it's it's a real interest of ours, both my wife and I. So, it's not something that you ever sit back and calculate. Golly, this bottle of wine has cost us this much because <laughs> you know, I, I had to I had to drive I had to drive from down in Gippsland up to almost Castlemaine to um, a little French guy by the name of Gilles who who makes the wine for us and deliver the grapes and uh, so it's a, it's a it's a it's um, but you know what? There's something there's something beautiful about you know sitting down on your own property, drinking something that you've made yourself. Absolutely, it's, it's yeah. Sort of pay, it pays off, pays off in other ways. Yeah, it tastes a lot sweeter when you're looking at all your hard work, sitting there drinking a bottle. That'd be great, mate. You understand sort of how much work goes into the production of one bottle of wine, too. <laughs> Tim, I have to say, I said to Dale um, just before we got you on the phone, oh, Tim's got a, got some vines and down there doing the uh, the whole winery thing. He said, oh, yeah, but he'd be paying people to do all the hard work. You mentioned hand weeding. <laughs> I mean, this is you getting stuck in. You're Mr. See you on the nightly news, hear you oh, on SEN Breakfast. I changed my stance already by yeah. the sound of what he's said so far, Jane. It sounds like he is getting in there and, and doing a lot of the stuff. So well done, Tim. Yeah, no, joy. Yeah, like I was a gardener too when I was still playing footy, had a landscaping business. So I'm really, I'm really enjoy that, you know, that side of um, gardening and you know trying to beautify a property and all that type of thing. And the vines themselves, like, you know, because they're planted in rows and they give you different pictures right throughout the course of the year. Like, like now, they're almost dormant. They've just got a little bit of leaf still on them, and so you get that sort of sculptured look on the vine. And then, you know, they start to burst in the early spring, and you get a little bit of green, and you get a lot more green. So it's that constant changing environment as well. Yeah, very good. Well, my mum's got 20 acres in Balungarup, Tim, and she's always offered me a paddock to have a crack at doing something in. So I, um, I might take up a bit of grape growing, and I'll hit her up for some tips when I um, have blown all me dough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you should do that because a mate of mine has got a really good um, vineyard up there uh, okay. in Balungarup. So. Yeah, that's that's really good Pinot country. Oh, yeah, there you go. And, Tim, when football returns, you're going to be there front and centre, I'm sure. But we'll be strange, won't it, to be sitting in that stadium uh, without too many people around? Yeah, I, only went to, I went to that one game earlier this year at the MCG, the opening game of the season, and it was really an odd experience. It's something that, you know, the, fan, the fans really do make the game, and without the fans, it's a completely different experience. People, I guess, will get used to it to a certain degree sitting back watching it on the TV or listening to it on the radio but it's not going to be the same until 
the fans get back and, and they're there in numbers. But uh, it'll just be good to have it back. It'll be great to have it back. So we've got something to talk about. Yeah, definitely. I, I reckon they they should put like um, crowd dubbing over the top of games and just enter it in when they when a goal's kicked and a tackle's laid and stuff. When we get it back onto the tally, I reckon just to add a bit of something for the people watching at home. I reckon that that'll make it heaps better. Yeah, Channel 7 are working on that, and I think it sounds okay. So uh, I think they're going to roll that out when we do get back. Oh, cool. Can I just quickly ask you a gardening question? I'm looking to plant something. I'm looking to plant something that um, uh, gives me some flower through the wintertime, something that uh, is a semi-sunny spot. What do you got in mind, do you think? My gardenias are still going at the moment, um, and they're nice smelling. Well, according to my very quick Google search there, uh, aboutthegarden.com.au would suggest, Tim, that you try some native shrubs such as Leptospermum and Grevillea. They can be planted now. Great option for difficult spots as they are tough and tolerate dry conditions. Uh, what else is out there at the moment that's catching our eyes? There's always camellias, but you probably don't want them. They're no, old they're nana an, flowers, aren't they're they? They're an old person flower, Jane. You don't want to recommend <laughs> a camellia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't um, you have to grow roses when you've got a, a vineyard, Tim? Don't you have to have the nice little end of uh, row, rose bushes? No, yeah. Well, the, 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 that's the thought behind that is obviously that um, any bugs that might be in and around the garden will attack the roses first so you can get an insight as to what might be about to attack your vines. But I haven't planted any roses, but you they would go right down there. They'd you could chuck right. in some uh, Halloboros of the um, winter flowering. Uh, they call them the winter rose, I think, basically, because mm. they flower all winter. Oh, okay. yeah. um, so they're, they're quite an interesting little, not very big, but um, prolific in their flowering. Okay, I'll look those up. Halloboros, yeah, there you go. We say, Tim, though, just go to your local nursery because they're the ones that are going to know exactly what is right for your climate. They're going to have all the local knowledge and they'll probably be able to uh, fix you up with something beautiful to plant there. Thank you so much, Tim. We really hope that by the end of this footy season you may be sipping a little glass of the Fiano. Maybe the Bombers will be in the grand final. Who knows? But we hope that you enjoy uh, the rest of this strange post-COVID-19 lockdown period. Thanks for being on the sport gardening. Good to talk to you. And still to come on the sport of gardening, we're going to catch up with Peter from SubPod, a company with a very different type of compost bin on offer. And of course, the sport of gardening is thanks to Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime, available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers and Trojan Tools. Tools built tough. They're available at Bunnings. Back in a moment on the sport of gardening. You're listening to the Sport of Gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. And thanks for joining us, whether you're listening via podcast or right around Australia on a Sunday morning on SEN and SEN Track. All thanks to Cyclone Tools. They make premium gardening products and have been the choice of garden landscapers for over 100 years. Cyclone Tools are available at Bunnings Warehouse and leading hardware retailers. Dale Vine, you are the man who has... A lot of knowledge. I've got enough, Jane. Yeah, I I can do a bit with what I've got. (laughs) You seem to have a suggestion or an idea for everything I throw at you. And, of course, you can check out Dale's book, The uh, Outdoor Reno Guide, Transform Your Garden on Any Budget. On the front page, there's you and your work boots, uh, Dale. That's right. Sitting on a nice little retaining wall. Yeah. We've got a listener question from Scott. Yeah. Dale, I would like to build a small retaining wall. What's the easiest way to do it? That's a 
pretty simple question, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always reckon the easiest retaining walls to do a sleeper one. So, and there's two ways you can go about doing those. You can use a a timber sleeper as well cut up as the risers so they're your posts basically and then you can just screw to those once they're in with the other sleepers as the actual uh, wall that retains or you can use steel bar brackets which are made you, call, you get h1s and c1s and corner ones as well if you've got to go around a corner and they're already prefabbed up ready for sleepers to slot straight into them so i reckon they're the easiest they probably cost a, a bit more coin than what a, a sleeper would do to use as a riser but um yeah that, they're, they're definitely the way to go so what you need to do um, no matter which way you go for using your posts is, is set your two end posts in so the furthest apart posts then you run a string line across and then from that you can get your your level height you can also get your line in a nice straight line and then you set your other posts um in using that string line so uh, it's not rocket science but it's also it's a bit of work you got to dig holes you got to concrete in some form of post and then obviously attach your sleepers as well so and how much of a foundation or a sort of base do you need like I just sort of whack on a few red bricks and slap them all together well the base is um, always the most important thing for most um, things to do with landscaping to be honest so um, you just want to make sure it's nice and level so there might be a lot of your prep work which is just getting your level and sticking it on the ground and making sure it's running pretty true before you start putting sleepers down because uh, if you're putting it down on a slope or an up and down surface, you're going to end up with a wall that looks um, all over the shop by the time you're finished. And as I discovered, due to the fact that I bought a house in Ballarat that half of the backyard had been excavated when the neighbours built townhouses, there are some regulations around like the height of a retaining wall before you need a structural engineer, isn't there? Because I don't think these neighbours actually... No, I think I think it's about a metre, Jane, that you can um, – it might even be 800 now. But, um, yeah, it's around about that metre mark in height that you need to get engineering for and yeah. get it ticked off if you go above that these days. So in the landscaping game, a metre is about uh, five sleepers because they're 200 high. So, yeah, if you're going above that, you're, you're definitely going to need some help. Now, if Scott's going to do this on his own, Dale, how on earth, if he chooses a sleeper option, how do you cut them? Do you need a chainsaw? Uh, no. No, you, can use a, you can use a big circular saw. Oh, we've um, all got can, one of them in our backyard. Yeah, or you can use a chainsaw, absolutely. Yep, chainsaws <laughs> will do a rougher job, but if you're definitely using the, the steel bars to put them in, the H-bars, that'll cover up about 30 mil of each end anyway with the, the front of the bar. So, yeah, chainsaws is as good as a saw sometimes. Well, Scott and Brisbane, we hope that that has been uh, helpful for you. Yeah, preparation. Take Dale's advice. Yeah, don't... there's a lot of good videos online too now, like... <laughs> like DIY ones on YouTube and stuff that'll um, run you through the process of building one too. So as I said, they're not hard, but yeah, as long as you follow the right steps, you'll you'll get a good one. And if you'd like to ask us a question here on The Sport of Gardening, you can always send us an email, feedback at sportofgardening.com.au or you can jump onto Dale's Instagram where you're going to see pics of him and his work and the family (laughs) and the kids at D on Instagram. This is The Sport of Gardening thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Up next, we meet Pete from Subpod, a little Aussie startup doing amazing things in the composting space and going global with it. 
You're listening to the sport of gardening for Cyclone Tools, built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough, only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. And thank you for joining us on the sport of gardening, whether you're listening to us via podcast or right around Australia on a Sunday morning via SEN and SEN Track. And later in the show, Dale's going to do another tool review for us and uh, run some of those Trojan tools through their paces. Now, Dale, compost is definitely high on most gardeners' agenda, isn't it? I never thought I'd say it, Jane, but compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Well, a lot of people have been doing it for years and years in their gardening, but you are totally right as we all sort of look towards being a little bit more sustainable and thinking about where our waste goes. Composting, to quote Delvine, is on trend. And a man who is very glad about that is Peter Critch from Subpod, who when I was checking out their website, I thought they were a huge international company because there's stuff from all over the globe about this product. Peter, tell us about Subpod. It's a composting system. Did it really start here as just a little startup in Australia and then go global? Yeah, thanks for having me on board, guys. It, it certainly did. We're... We were born in Byron Bay. Uh, there's about five of us. Uh, we we had the idea to make composting really simple and easy for people, and it's yeah, it was born out of a love of composting. Uh, we we just kicked it off together, doing a crowdfunding, and and now we're we're growing like a big thriving plant, really, thanks to the support and community from people that believed in us. Yeah, mate, look, what I love about the subpod itself as a product is that it's different. It's got a, a seat on top, which not I don't think I've ever seen a composting bin that has a seat <laughs> on top. And the, the really cool thing about it is that you can, uh, if you if you picture this for the people listening at home, it's a composting system that's uh, almost rectangular. You dig a big hole in, say, your, your raised veggie bed or something and, and put it down into it and then fill the soil back in around it. So uh, the worms and things that access all the compost inside the actual bin uh, then go freely between bin, out the holes and into your veggie patch again. So it's like a um, almost like a, a hub base for um, for these worms to check in with, get a bit more nutrition and then go back out through the roots of your of your garden. So it's it's a really cool way of doing it. Exactly. You just couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. It really is a cafeteria for worms. You feed the subpod there and because it's underground, you're creating an environment for, that the worms enjoy. They like being in a damp, dark and cool environment. And then so not to poo-poo other compost systems, but with you working above ground, the worms generally don't like to be in, in above ground conditions because they can get overheated, there's not enough oxygen and they're very sensitive. But putting them underground does two things. Again, it puts them in an environment where they enjoy so they can reproduce and eat more, but they can also go out to the, the surrounding soil. And that does two things. It fertilizes the soil as they poo, and then it also aerates the soil as well. So this all happens underground, and as Dale says, you can sit on it. So we have them set up in local cafes and communities around here in Byron Bay, and people don't realise that they're sitting on compost half the time. Uh, we have to go up to them and be like, hey, did you realise you're sitting on probably about 10,000 worms there and can compost 15 kilos <laughs> of food waste? Oh, dear uh, Lord. Being told you've got uh, 10,000 worms below your bum is, um, yeah. is, is a bit of a shock to most people, I think. 
exactly that's right but, and it's really cool it's really cool because it, i think we, we have this idea what well, i certainly did when i was a child of taking out the compost to the bin and it was sludgy and smelly and it was like i was getting told off uh, as a child you've got to go do that and 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 now when people think of compost, a lot of people do like, oh, it's yucky, it's smelly, uh, don't really know if I want to invest in that. Of course, if you're an advocate gardener, you know the qualities and the benefits of composting. But if you're just doing it for other reasons or you're new to it, it's not really, yeah, you don't, you think of all the stinky, smelly mess. But we've made this system and we, we say there's no smells, no pests, and there's no mess in doing this. It's, it's a very simple, easy way to compost. Well, Pete, uh, I'm glad you said no pests there because Jane actually a couple of weeks ago on the show um, mentioned that her compost bins at home had a bit of a problem and, and rats had got into her um, the holes that um, let it breathe and, and they'd made a nice little family um, boutique home yeah, in there. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very common question. And we, when we were making the prototypes of stuff, we actually experimented with different hole sizes and of course, we wanted to have enough holes. This is below ground now we're talking, so the worms can get in, in ex, exit and enter the subpod. But if you were making it just slightly too big, then uh, baby rodents can get in. So we made, made sure we got a specific diameter of those holes that any, any um, uh, pests cannot get in there. And also the, the, the plastic that it's made out of polypropylene, which is considered one of the most safest plastics out there. You can see it in refrigerators and cars. That plastic itself is really durable and long-lasting. So how long did it take, Pete, before people internationally started to get onto the subpods? You did it as a sort of a Kickstarter thing. Obviously, you're talking about prototypes. And now this little Byron Bay-based company is taking this technology to the world. Was the process a long one? It took, jeez, uh, I mean, the idea started eight years before any of this from Andrew, who is the inventor. He's an, he's an artist by trade, and he was just sick of the compost systems not working like you were saying mice getting in there and then overheating and and being lots of hard and they work. take so, up a lot of room mate like all those barrels yeah. and the spinning barrels and the big uh yeah. the big barreled pods that you just lift the lid on and and chuck the compost in there that they, they they stick out like a store sore thumb in your in your veggie patch or your garden so these things are unbelievable you could just literally you can't tell it's there until you um, lift up the seat and uh, there you go, there's your compost system. So it's it's a really cool idea and what I most love about it, if I had to pick, was um, I read this story to my kids, um, obviously being a landscaper with a big interest in um, plants and that sort of thing, uh, which is called... Um, up in the garden, down in the dirt, and it tells you what's going on on top, you know, of, of the plants growing and then what's going on underneath um, with mm. worms and all the, the roots and the other things. And it's a really cool children's book. But um, this sort of sub idea, it's, it's almost like a visual aid to what they're talking about. So you can actually uh, open it up and you almost see into the level below as to what's happening underneath with, um, without digging and things. So it's really cool. And I reckon for kids and schools that have their veggie patches um, set up, it would be a, a no-brainer just to um, teach these kids what's, what's happening in the layer below, which is, which is great, mate. Absolutely. I have to get the name of that book before I forget it. What was it, Dave? Uh, up in the garden, down in the dirt. Oh, great. I'd love to check that out. Yeah, have a yeah, look, mate. School, it's cool. 
schools, uh, prisons, communities, but schools in particular are one of the places where we really want to see this grow. Like, I think that's, for me personally, that's one of the most motivating things part of this job is to see children just grab it. And uh, for some reason, they seem to gravitate towards worms and composting a little bit more than some adults. So to see them to just understand the connection between uh, a banana peel turning it into soil and then growing food. It's just, yeah, it's amazing. And and to have that in schools, like you said, part of an education program is the next level. Like, yeah, that, that that's our dream. That's part of our vision. Well, and they say that people's, you know, 40% of uh, people's carbon footprint can be because of the food that they eat. So it's a huge saving for your family environmentally. Absolutely. Yeah, that's another part of it as well is we we calculated that if you were going to compost 15 kilos a week for a year, then that would be the equivalent of taking a car off the road for six months. You can compost 15 kilos in subpop, but that's a lot of food. Most people, oh. the average family is about seven, seven kilos. Uh, so yeah, if you were like a compostaholic, you could collect food scraps from other 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 families or cafes and do that. <laughs> Don't go through the bins, uh, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's crazy because I think during all the COVID stuff, um, some of those world environmental societies and things have done studies already from just the air quality in places due to people mm. not driving around as much, and just that like month period, it's like almost tripled how good the air quality was so it's yeah it is crazy the change that can happen pretty quickly and you know pete what i'd love to see is people popping them in their front yard so as you say you could actually get your neighbors dropping it in as well because if it it can churn through kilos of food waste why not get the whole street involved I'm, i'm so glad you mentioned that because one of our early supporters and kickstarter who got their sub pod a couple months ago did exactly that she actually cut a hole in her fence <laughs> so her neighbors could have access to the sub pod and it's it's connected that street in terms of the food waste but also the food that's growing there as well so you put something in and you can take a herb out uh, it's a beautiful story and uh, that's really the whole part of this is how people can connect through through food through soils through composting. It's it's the big web. Well, thank you so much for sharing the subpod story on the Sport of Gardening with us today. That's Pete Critch. Hey, Pete, Instagram, website, how can people get in touch? If you jump on Instagram, the subpod or or our website, just www.subpod.com or if you want to email us specifically at hello at subpod.com, please do. Yeah, we'll be happy to answer any questions, but we're very active on all our social media platforms, so... Yeah, yeah, please drop us a line. Definitely. No, I'd recommend getting on Instagram and checking it out for sure. So good on you, Pete. I reckon it's a fantastic product and there will be one in my garden uh, as soon as I can, mate. So I can't wait. Thank you so much for having me on board, guys. We have a saying here at Subpod, which is feed the soil, feed the world. So I'll end it with that. Ah, very good, mate. Feed the soil, feed the world, and happy composting. (laughs) Thank you. That's Pete from Subpod. A great little Australian story of innovation and solving a problem. Love it. You're on the sport of gardening. I'm Jane Neild with Dale Vine. It's all thanks to Red Energy. They're owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader. More in a moment. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. 
And welcome back, whether you're listening to us via podcast or right around Australia on SEN and SEN Track. I'm Jane Neild with Dale Vine, who has had the pleasure of testing out a few tools for us recently, Dale. Our wonderful sponsor, Trojan Tools. Trojan Tools are backed by their lifetime guarantee. No questions asked. Trojan Tools available at Bunnings Warehouse. You've got a box of goodies there, and I hear a little rumour that you've actually put them to the test this week. So what were you doing in the garden? What did you have to uh, achieve and how did the Trojan tools help you, Dale? Uh, look, Jane, this is one of my favourite segments because I actually use tools every day anyway, so testing them is nothing new to me. It's uh, actually a lot of fun. So uh, this week I tested out a couple. I tested out the big sledgehammer uh, and I actually I haven't got it with me here in the studio, obviously too big to bring in, but it's, um, it's a really, really heavy thing. Um, very, very much so it's um, probably twice the weight of my old sledgehammer. Uh, and I did knock down a few bricks with this. It wasn't a whole wall, but I had to take a few bricks out. Uh, so a mate of mine could chuck a window in uh, into a, a garage that he wanted a bit more light. And then I did my first um, brick window sill underneath it once he was done. So oh. uh, it was handy. It was very handy. I just uh, a little swing from the hip and bang, down they came. Okay. So how do you sort of rate a tool then? Like, is the actual weight of this fantastic Trojan fiberglass sledgehammer, is it the weight that really saves you the energy? The weight actually works in your advantage, yeah. Um, as long as you're swinging it downwards and you're using the weight underneath you, if you've got to lift it up, up over above your head and swing it that way, it's obviously going to be a mm-hmm. bit harder. But, um, you know, the weight was uh, fantastic and it, and it helped me just smash these bricks out uh, without applying much force at all, which was good. So now you've got the light job one and yep. the heavier right. Trojan. Yeah. Uh, you also did a little test run on the Trojan 20-ounce 560-gram steel claw hammer. Now, I didn't even realise, Dale, that you actually can rate tools according to how heavy they are. I always tend to stuff around with probably the wrong tool for the wrong job and wonder why it's taking me so long to hammer anything <laughs> yeah, in. You yeah. mentioned that this one is actually really nice feeling. It is, hand. yeah. Um, hammers especially. Claw hammers are the things that tradies and chippies mainly and builders and things like that. Landscapers, when we chuck the nail bag on, it's all about feel for a hammer. So this was a good one. It was a good weight. It was about 20 ounces, which I think works out to be about, I don't know, nearly half a kilo, 560 grams yeah, to be precise. To be exact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's just the, yeah, it was a great grip on it, nice little handle and just slotted straight into me nail bag beautifully. So, no, I, I rated it very highly. Uh, it's got a nice little um, forged head on it, which makes it uh, one of those strong steel products. And uh, I don't think this thing's going to wear out at any time soon, Jane. So I think it'll be in the nail bag for years to come. Now, tell me about the fiberglass black rubber mallet. What on earth do you do with a black rubber mallet? Uh, Well, that's probably the tool I use the most, um, to be honest. So I pave a lot with them. Um, You give them a little tap once you've got them on the mud and get them sitting exactly where they want. So, uh, yeah, I was doing a bit of crazy paving for a driveway this week and uh, it got a workout, that thing. And uh, now it's got a few little marks and dints and stains on it that um, really let you know that it's a tool that's in use. So, uh, no, I loved it. It was good to swing it around and it was good to replace the one I've had for probably uh, four years as well. And how did that feel in the hand? What was the handle on that one like? 
All the handles of these Trojan tools are amazing. Um, yeah, I'm not sure whether they had my hand in some sort of mould <laughs> at the factory when they came up with them. But oh, hang on, there's the Dale Bone <laughs> selection. I can I'm feel that. To, yeah, I'm happy to lend them the, the hand for um, moulding purposes uh, in the future. But they've nailed it. They've got it. They've got it spot on so far. Every tool I've picked up feels comfortable. And uh, the partner, you've nailed it. Yeah, exactly right. And uh, no, it's it's been great. So whoever's on in charge of all the ergonomics and that of these tools out there, they keep them on board because they're doing a great job. Uh, you can find your Trojan tools, of course, at Bunnings Warehouse. And they come in bombers' colours as well, Jane, so that's um, a very appealing <laughs> aspect about them as well. Of course, Dale, the biggest uh, Essendon supporter in town at the moment, and it was so great to have Tim Watson on the show earlier. If you've just tuned in and you missed that, make sure you catch up on the podcast version of the show. Now, I wanted to do a little recommendation from a friend called Amanda, who heard the show last week, said she's like, well, she's not a gardener, and she's like, I think you've got me into gardening, oh, which wow. is fantastic to hear. She had some houseplants, which we've talked about in the yeah. uh, previous episodes, but she's discovered an app called Picture This. Yeah. So it's an app that you then take a photo of a plant. Yes. It can not only identify it, but it can actually... Grow then... it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, but it can actually give you some hints and tricks as to how to grow it better. Oh, wow. So she did get the free version, so that's the only thing I'd say. You know, Picture this, is that picture it? Picture this. We'll put the, uh, the details in the show notes to this episode on the podcast. Definitely. But it basically allows you to walk around, snap a picture. There are 10,000 different types of plants on file and they'll give you care information for plants, trees, flowers and shrubs. Her uh, diagnosis was that her plants were in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of them had green on them anymore. They were all brown. Exactly. But I think uh, also a great thing for kids as well where you sort of, they're like, what's that? What's oh, that? How easy would a school assignment be if you yep. were um, using an app like that back in the day? Snap the app. And so, and for anyone, not even kids, but you know, if you really are interested in the plants in your garden, if you're walking through spaces and, and gardens and areas where you think, what is that? That's gorgeous. I'd like that in my garden. Yeah. You can just use this app. Or if you want to sound like a know-it-all, you can just <laughs> head over to your neighbour's house and take a picture of their plant and tell them what it needs. Oh, it's your magnolia. You're doing this wrong. It should be in the shade, that thing. <laughs> We love it. So thank you so much to Amanda for recommending that. It's the Picture This Plant Identifier app. You can do some things for free, but be warned, there is a cost involved if you want to sort of get the premium service. And Dale, of course, people can always send in their questions, their tips, their hints to us, either via your Instagram, which is... Uh, Viney D, at Viney D. So there you go. I'd love a few tips, actually. We get a few questions, but I'd love somebody to send in a tip and, and t teach me something. That'd be great. Do you know, I was thinking of that when we were talking to Tim Watson, just about how sharing gardeners are. And he was, mm. you know, his experience with growing vines and yeah. having to learn from scratch. Yep. I really think gardeners are some of the most sharing people in the world. And if you've got knowledge and information. They love to share knowledge. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. So my recommendation is to find a great gardener that, you know, might be a neighbour or someone you don't necessarily yeah. socialise with. marry them. <laughs> and ask them to share their knowledge. Yeah, or ask them to share their knowledge. Exactly. <laughs> Just like we do each week here on The Sport of Gardening. I'm Jane Neal. It's been a pleasure to be with you. Dale Vine, thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me, Jane. I love coming in here and talking gardening every week. 
And of course, Dale's book is still in stores. You can get it right now. I had a couple of people say they picked it up for a, a present recently. Oh, there One you go. was for Mother's Day. The other was actually for a dad present. Well, there you go. I think the dad was a bit rubbish at DIY, so it was more of a hint. Okay, but... <laughs> yeah, one of those hint presents. You can get Dale Vine's outdoor Renault guide in all good bookstores. The promise is on the front of the cover transform your garden on any budget. It's so... a promise. Yeah, I've written it in writing, so it's a promise. <laughs> Thank you so much, and we'll join you next week on The Sport of Gardening. You're listening to The Sport of Gardening for Cyclone Tools built to last a lifetime. Trojan, tools built tough only at Bunnings Warehouse. And Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a renewable energy leader.